A reading from Luke chapter 1. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The angel Gabriel didn't tell Zechariah why the boy should be named John. It wasn't like when the angel appeared in a dream to Joseph and said, Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means he saves, and that's just what he would do. The angel Gabriel didn't have to tell Zechariah why the boy should be named John because it was obvious. John means the Lord God is gracious. We've seen during this Advent season that God was not gracious simply in giving to Zechariah and Elizabeth a son in their old age. That was an act of tremendous grace and mercy, but that's not all. This act of grace and mercy was expansive, reaching all the way back to the promises given to Abraham, given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. John's name meant that God was fulfilling the oath 
that he swore to Abraham, that he remembered his covenant, the promises he had made so long ago. Names have always been important to God. And when God gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, he gave him a new name as well, putting off the old man and making him into a new one. He had been called Abram, which means high or exalted father. It's a pretty good name, but it wasn't true because Abraham, like Zechariah, was old and had no children. The first time God spoke to Abram, he was 75 years old. He called him out of his land, out of the land of his father's house, and promised to make him a great nation, to make him a blessing, so that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. Time went by, and Abram still had no children. So God said to him, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram replied, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is not a son of my own. And so God renewed his covenant with Abram, sealing his promises with blood. The blood of animals was used to make deals, to secure covenants. The one making a promise agreed that he could be just like those dead animals, that he should be made just like those dead animals if he were ever to break his word. The Lord God did that for Abram, sealing his promises with blood. But time went by again, and Abram still had no heir. Ten years he had been in the land of promise, the land of Canaan, and he had no offspring to count, much less were they as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sands on the seashore. So Sarai, Abram's wife, made a suggestion. She suggested that they take matters into their own hands, and Abram had a son with Hagar, Sarai's maidservant. But Ishmael was not the son of promise. He was a son of slavery, and he was not the hope of all the world. Time went by yet again, and Abram was now 99 years old, 24 years after God first visited him. And God appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And God sealed his covenant yet again. He sealed his covenant by changing Abram's name. No longer would he be exalted father, but he would be the father of a multitude, Abraham. And he sealed the covenant with flesh and blood once again, but this time it wouldn't be the flesh and blood of animals. It would be Abraham's own flesh and blood. This is my covenant which you shall keep, God said, between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. I think that every Sunday school teacher's favorite question asked by little kids must be, what is circumcision? What a strange thing for us to be talking about in church. But God, 
is not bashful about the things that make us blush. And so he gives Abraham this sign that he and all the generations of Israel would certainly remember. It was a sign that showed Abraham that his flesh was not his hope. In fact, his flesh needed to be cut off and die. This was a sign that Abraham and all the people of Israel would remember every time they thought about offspring and procreation. This covenant was not a covenant of mere words, but it was a covenant sealed in flesh and blood, a covenant that promised fruitfulness by the hand of God and not by human power. And it was a covenant that included this threat that you'd be like that discarded flesh, cut off from your people if you abandoned God's covenant. Finally, when Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, and God's word proved true. Or at least, it was a beginning. One son is a far cry from a great nation. Abraham died at the age of 175. He lived to see Jacob and Esau, but he died not seeing, not having received the fulfillment of everything promised. He died in faith. But in his son and his son's sons, he saw the beginning of the fulfillment and greeted it from afar. He would have loved to see the day that we heard about in Luke chapter 1, the eighth day, when they circumcised Zechariah's son and called his name John. The Lord God is gracious. That covenant of circumcision, which reminded the people continually of God's promise to Abraham, that covenant was nearing its fulfillment. They had indeed become a great nation, a multitude. They had been for some time. Abraham's offspring were too many to count. But they had yet to see the blessing promised for all the people of the world. Israel was meant to be a light to the nations. They were meant to reflect God's goodness, God's holiness, God's law into the world, so that seeing their righteousness, the world would be drawn to worship its creator in truth. But Israel was not a light. They spoiled God's name among the nations. They despised his law and did not cling to his goodness and mercy. They were a great nation, at least in number, but they were not a great people of God. But John's name means the Lord God is gracious, and God's graciousness extends far beyond imagination, far beyond anything that could have been expected. John was to prepare the way for the Lord, to give knowledge of salvation in the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is bound up with sacrifice. Atonement requires the spilling of blood, a life for a life. And God had established the priesthood and sacrifices of bulls and goats for the purification of flesh in order to make the people clean and undefiled so they could draw near to God in his mercy and receive his forgiveness. And he had given them the covenant of circumcision in their own flesh and blood so that they would be set apart as his people and he would be their God. But those sacrifices and that practice of circumcision, they only dealt with what was on the outside. The blood of bulls and goats can touch your skin, but not your heart. Circumcision can cut off the flesh of your body, but it cannot cut out your fleshly, sinful nature. And so the way that John was preparing for the Lord, it was the way 
for him to do a new thing. He would not just keep and fulfill the covenant made with Abraham, he would also establish a new and better covenant. John called sinners to repentance, and in calling them, he pointed them to this magnificent, unbelievable hope. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This new covenant that Jesus would establish would be sealed and secured with his flesh and blood, the flesh and blood of God incarnate. In his body, in his flesh, he would bear the marks of God's everlasting covenant, the same marks that you can see in the hands of the risen and glorified Jesus. His blood would be spilled, a life for a life, his life for yours, the life of the creator for the lives of the creatures. For us sinful humans who have broken God's covenant, who have disobeyed God's law, in our place, Jesus would be cut off from his people, cut off from the land of the living. He would bear the reproach that comes to God's name on our account. He would suffer and die in the hands of our enemies. He would suffer defeat against death and the grave. And in doing all of that, and being raised from the dead by the glory of his Father, he would be like a sunrise, visiting us from on high, giving light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. He would be a light to the nations, guiding our feet into the way of peace. He would be the blessing promised to Abraham by his offspring, a blessing to the world. He would be the offspring by whom all the families of the world would be blessed. He would do all of that because the Lord God is gracious, just as John's name foretold. As we make this final leg towards Christmas, bear all of this in mind when you picture that little baby lying in a manger. See if you can keep this history in view, this history of promises and expectation. See if you can imagine Abraham's longing to see this covenant fulfilled. See if you can marvel with Zechariah when he realized all that was happening right before his eyes. See if you can rejoice in the repentance preached by John. For behold, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See if you can take to heart the cost of your salvation, the burden to be borne by that little child, and the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. God's love which extends so far and would work such wonders for you. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.